you, honey. You look beautiful today. Come, everyone say, you look beautiful to her. All right. If you give, you will also receive. All right. So turn around to somebody and say, you look beautiful. <laughs> Some of you look like you don't believe that. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. What a joy to worship. Even in the presence of difficulties around the world, you know, there was one verse that really stood in my heart from the beginning. And that was, in times of difficulty, God will increase you. And so I told on to that word and I began to just believe that even in these times of the COVID, God will increase our church. And sure to His word, He has increased our church even in these times. See, our finances have increased. Our ministry has increased. We've been able to set up a prayer home. We've been able to reach more people than we have ever reached before through the online media. We've been able to bless more people even by giving acts of charity, food, or money than we have ever done before. So as believers, understand this. The tribulations and the trials that we go through are not sent by God. But they can be used by God to increase us, increase our faith. Hallelujah. To expand our faith. And that way we can hold more. There's more glory. There's more restoration. There's more blessing that God is going to release upon the earth. So don't be deceived by what is happening today and think that is going to be the new normal. No, it is not the new normal. The new normal and the old normal has always been the normal of the kingdom. And the normal of the kingdom is this. God wants to give us abundant life. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? And that life cannot be destroyed by what's happening in the world. So keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Amen. 1 John chapter 4 verses 16 to 18. I'm continuing the series on perfect love casts out fear. The antidote to fear is the love of God. God created human beings. And this has been proven scientifically. Your brain is wired to function the best when you are experiencing love. When you are abiding in love. Your brain is not created to be always in fear, in worry, and anxiety. It's like a short circuit. Why? Because God created us in His image and God is love. God created us in His image. We are created for love and to be people of love. To be givers of love and receivers of love. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. Let's read that. Love has been perfected among us in this. In the sacrifice of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, so that we may have boldness, believers to have boldness in the day of judgment. God does not want us to be in fear of being judged by God for our sins. So that even on the day of judgment, we have boldness. Why? Because as Jesus is, right now at the right hand of the Father, righteous, loved, and accepted, so are we. When we know we are loved, righteous, and accepted by the Father, we will have boldness. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love. Love and fear is like oil and water. It cannot mix. It's like light and darkness cannot mix. If there is light, darkness does not exist. So there is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Hello. Hello. If you have been alive for any number of years on this planet, you know what fear is. You understand what fear is. You have felt that sudden rush of emotions that bring that restlessness, that panic. You have experienced that dread, that anxiety, that restlessness, the inability to sleep at night, that tension before your exams. You've all experienced that. You know what fear is. But where did fear come from? We say fear comes from exams. Fear comes from tension. Fear comes from stress. Fear comes from watching horror movies, right? But where is the root of fear? 
If you go to the truth of the scriptures, the root of all fear is called condemnation. Can you say condemnation? Write it down in your notes. Write it down in your Bible. This is the key that will save you and deliver you from your depression, from your panic attacks. Just a single thought can deliver you from a lifetime of depression if you will believe. Hallelujah. Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe that God approves of you? Or does God approve of you? Some of you, some of you may not know. You may be thinking, well, maybe not. You see, people have great difficulty in believing that God approves of them. You know why? Because you know yourself. You know yourself. You know your faults. You know your weaknesses. You know the sins you have committed. You know the things that you have disobeyed. You know the, your failings that you don't measure up completely. And guess what? Your conscience keeps disturbing you. Your conscience keeps accusing you. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 10, when Adam and Eve sinned for the first time in the Garden of Eden, they felt condemnation in their heart. And Adam and Eve hid from God. In fact, Adam says, I was afraid and therefore I hid myself. Adam was afraid that God would punish him because he disobeyed. That fear of the punishment of God is called condemnation. That's it what, that is what it feels like in your conscience. That God is mad at you and He will punish you. That is the root of all fears. But if you can remove the root, then you can remove the fear from your life. Hallelujah. Read this verse 18 in the Amplified Version. You can see it up on the screen. And it is so powerful. It just brings out in greater clarity. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. Dread. Dread is that feeling, ah, I just don't want to do that. I just, when you get the phone call and your heart pumps, I don't want to get bad news. That's called dread. But perfect, which means complete, full-grown love, drives out fear because fear involves the expectation and the thought of divine punishment. I've seen sometimes when people are in fear, they pray loudly, they go banging on the walls, da, 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 casting Satan, but they're doing it out of fear in their heart. You see, fear, you don't cast out fear by banging the walls. Perfect love casts out fear. Can you say Amen. Fear involves the expectation of divine punishment so that the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love. You see, if you are thinking that this COVID is from God and is judging the world, including Christians, you have not been perfected in love. You have not grown and matured in the knowledge of God's love. You have not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. Hallelujah. And that's why when believers get sick, when people experience calamities, sicknesses, crisis, setbacks in their lives, they begin to think, why is God doing this to me? Have you ever thought like that? Said that in your prayers? They begin to think, did I do something wrong, Lord? Am I being punished? Am I being disciplined? Am I being chastised? They begin to think like that. Now we know that we go through consequences in this world, sometimes out of our own choices, sometimes because the enemy attacks us, sometimes because people sin against us. There are people who commit ra rape, abuse to defenseless, innocent people. And it's not their fault, but they have experienced that pain. And they cry out to the Lord and say, why God, why did you do that to me? But it was not God. It was somebody exercising his free will and using his power and authority to abuse someone. But in the midst of all that, we blame God. And we think that God is judging us. If you are asterisk and obelisk, you would say, the sky is falling on our heads. Anyone read comics, asterisk, obelisk? 
the sky is falling on our head. That's what we think. We are always expecting something bad, always expecting something evil because of our wrongdoings. That's what condemnation feels like. Many years I went to the hospital to pray for a dear lady, godly lady, who was suffering with cancer. And while I was sharing the word with her and about to pray for her, she said this. And it really struck my heart. She said, I'm paying the price for my old sins. And when I heard that, I knew that she was not going to live. Because she had no faith to believe that God will heal her because she believed more that God has judged her with cancer. That is what condemnation is. And because of condemnation in the heart, people fear sickness, we fear disease, bad things happening to us, especially when we have lived imperfect, sinful lives that we know. And when these things happen, even this pandemic or deaths or accidents, we think that it is an angry God who was vindictive towards us. And that's how the spirit of fear begins to operate in our thoughts and in our hearts. So the root is condemnation. The solution to condemnation is the love of God where Jesus died for us. Now we know God is love. We know God loves the world. That is the action of His love. But this love is manifested, demonstrated in this. 1 John 4 verse 10. The love of God is manifested. It is shown. The love of God can be seen. You can see the love of God. What is that? That He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. In fact, Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The word propitiation means that Jesus became the atoning sacrifice. Jesus became the sacrifice that swallowed up all our sins and our curses and the wrath and anger of God so that today there is therefore now no condemnation for anyone who believes in Jesus. How many of you believe in Jesus? Guess what? There is no condemnation in your life. No condemnation from God. That feeling that... God is mad at me, is not from God. It is your conscience that needs to be renewed by the Word of God. And the word no in the Greek is the word ume in Greek, which is the strongest negative in the Greek language. And it means this, it is impossible. When the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation, it means it is impossible for the believer to be condemned by God. Impossible. If you are a believer, I'm not talking about whether you are very holy, um, very, very active in church, whether you are a good man. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the believer in Jesus. In fact, every believer, every Christian, it's impossible for God to condemn. Why? Because God has already condemned you in Jesus Christ. Jesus took your condemnation on your behalf. And it's impossible for a righteous judge to punish the same sins twice. Can you say hallelujah? But the feeling of condemnation and guilt leads to fear. And as we allow it into our lives, it leads to effects in our mind, in our body, sickness, depression, terror. We allow it. It's not because God wills it for our life. We allow it because we don't believe the truth. You see, the redemption of Christ, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is our deliverance from all fear and all powers of darkness. Yes, we pray for you and when we pray, there's a release of peace. There's a release of God's power. But really, the root of that power is the redemption. That peace that when you pray, you are set free from anxiety. The power that comes into your life, that peace, the root of that, the source of that is redemption. 
So when you go back to the source, the redemption, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets me free from the law of sin and death and fear is connected to the law of sin and death. I am free from that, meaning I am free from fear. Come on, say this with me. I am free from fear because there is no condemnation in my life. You see, God loves you unconditionally, agape love, wholeheartedly and continually. But this you must know and believe. Look at 16 again. We have known and believed. To know is to have knowledge. To believe is to be in faith. It's not enough just to know. You must believe. Almost every Christian in Sunday school, you have heard, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Well, we know, we know, we know, we know. We know, but we are still in fear. Why? We don't believe. And that's why fear still has a grip on our lives. Number one, because we may be ignorant of the true nature of God, that He is love. Number two, because we are in unbelief. When Jesus was on the road to Emmaus and He was explaining the word to the two disciples, He said this, O you foolish ones and slow of heart to believe. So that's the same indictment on Christians today. We are foolish. We don't know the word. And number two, we are slow to believe what is taught. When somebody tells you God loves you, He's forgiven you of your sins, it's in the Bible, ah, we don't believe. But when someone comes and tells you God hates you, He will curse you, He will take away your babies, oh, we believe. Why? Slow to believe the truth that God is a good God. We've been brought up in a culture where we think God is a hateful God, a vindictive God, God puts sickness, God puts disease on people. doesn't. Can you say hallelujah? He's a good God. He's a loving Father. Therefore, we must know, have knowledge of the truth. Number two, we must believe every day. Believe is an active word. It's not, I believed once. Pastor, I believed once in, in youth camp. I believed once in revival. No, you must believe every day that God loves you. No matter what your thoughts or your feelings say. I'm going to give you a phrase right now. Say, object permanence. Come and say it louder. I can't hear you. Object permanence. Is it up there on the screen? The definition of that? Object permanence is an expression used by psychologists of a child's ability to understand that objects still exist even if they are no longer visible. Up to about four months old, babies don't have the capacity to believe something exists if they cannot see it. That's why when you put, you know, all these dolls in the babies, they see it. When you remove it, they cry because they can't see it anymore. The toy, that keys that you were jangling up there. As far as they are concerned, they think it does not exist because you have hidden it. They cannot process it in their mind. But they reach a stage where if you hide a toy, they will keep on looking for it. And I've also experienced that in my children, that they have to reach a certain stage, two years, three years, they can't find the toys. They keep on looking under the bed, under the mattress. Why is that? Because they have realized that objects exist even when you don't see them. It's called object permanence. This is a sign of Christian maturity. Alright? When we continue to believe in God's love, even when we don't see it, feel it, Experience it by remembering His Word, remembering the cross, remembering His Word. That is called object permanence. See, we can't see the sun. It's raining, it's cloudy. But how many of you believe the sun is still there? 
Right? How many of you believe you have a brain? Sometimes we don't see it. I mean, I mean, not sometimes. None of us have seen our brains. And the way you act sometimes, we also wonder. <laughs> but you believe you have a brain. We believe that there is a city called New York that it exists. None of us have seen it with our own eyes. Hallelujah. So when we continue to believe in God's love, even when we don't feel it, see it, or experience it, that's a sign of Christian maturity. See, you must just believe that God loves you. Love is more than a feeling. Love, believing can produce a feeling, but the feeling cannot produce the believing. I'm saying this for the first time. The feeling cannot produce the believing because the feeling is temporary. It goes and it comes. So don't trust the feelings. Believe the believing. See, Romans chapter 5 verse 5 tells us the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If you are born again, God has already given you His love. He has poured out His love into you by the Holy Spirit. How many of you have the Holy Spirit? Can I see your hands? You were born again, you have it. If you have the Holy Spirit, the love of God has already been poured out into you by the Holy Spirit. You have it. But it's like, you know, the old lady says, where's my glasses? Where's my glasses? Where's my glass? Where's my glasses? You can't see it. And the grandchildren come and say, Mama, it's on your head. Grandma, it's on your head, right? So she had it all the time. She just forgot about it. That's what the love of God is. You have it all the time. You have the peace of God in you all the time. It's just that we forget because of the cares of this world. Is always with you. Hallelujah. How do I abide in love? He who abides in love abides in God. He who abides in love abides in God. 1 John 4, 16. He who abides in love abides in God. If you're abiding in God, you are indestructible. How do I abide in God? Abide in love. How do I abide in love? It's very simple. Believe that He loves you every day. How do I do that? Number one, meditate on specific verses that tell you God loves you. God is love. Meditate on that. Meditate on the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. That is the love of God. Number two, thank Him for His love every day, every moment from your heart. Talk to the Father. That's what I do. When I'm in the shower, I'm thanking Jesus for His blood. When I'm driving, I'm thanking God for His love for me. I don't have to do it only in church. I do it every time I find a moment to thank God. Come on, lift up your hands right now for a moment and begin to thank God for His love. Say, thank you, Father. Say, thank you, Father, that you love me. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for me. I know you love me. I believe you love me. And I thank you that you love me. I am your beloved. I'm your beloved child. In Jesus' name. Amen. See, when you acknowledge what you already have, the consciousness of that begins to grow in our lives. The third thing is this. Confess His love for you. Usually we confess our love for someone. No? We say, Nina Mima. We say, Sarange. <laughs> right? We say that to someone. But what's important here is to confess His love for you. Have you ever watched a, a romantic movie where the, the girl is saying, ah, but I know He loves me. And she smiles. Have you watched that kind of a movie? You guys don't watch those movies? <laughs> Confess His love for you. Before you are sleeping at night. God, I know you love me. Father, I thank you that you love me. God loves me. God loves me. You see, what you're doing is, you are believing the truth. And by believing the truth, your brain is releasing the right chemicals. 
that is bringing peace into your body. It's true. Believing that God loves you can change your brain. Rewire your brain from toxic thoughts to positive thoughts. Hallelujah. There's another way that we can abide in love. Do you want to know what that is? Very few know about this. Turn to Jude 20 and 21. Jude 20 and 21. Hey Jude. Right? I think I'm getting a little overboard here today. But anyway, Jude 20. But you beloved, building yourselves up most holy faith, praying Holy Spirit. So praying in tongues. Love your faith. But verse 21 says, Keep yourselves in the love of God. And it's all connected. So if you are praying in tongues, number one, you will build up your faith. But also number two, you will keep yourself in the love of God. You will abide in the love of God. See, when you're praying in tongues, it is the Holy Spirit within you praying by your, home, by your, by your own spirit. And when you're praying in tongues, there's a deep sense of intimacy and communion that you experience from your heart. And that is abiding in love. That intimacy. I've experienced deeper moments of intimacy after I got filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues than at any other times in my Christian life. Speaking in tongues. It is not weird. It's the most normal thing in the kingdom. For me now, I believe those who don't speak in tongues are a little weird. Christians who don't speak in tongues, I find them a little weird, you know. It's like, which kingdom did you come from? <laughs> because in the kingdom of God, we speak in tongues. Can you say amen? Yes. That's the normal language of children of God. To pray to the Father. Hallelujah. So these four things, remember, meditate, thank Him for His love, confess His love for you, Pray in tongues regularly. And when you begin to believe that God loves you, it will produce tremendous power in you. Let me show you two things for today. And I will continue on the next Sunday. What it will produce in you. Number one, it will produce in you a deep security for your well-being. A deep security. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Are you blessed this morning? Good to see you, Kevisa, after some time. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. That's one of the main things we do. <laughs> Jesus said, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing. So life is more than just the cares that we carry. We're not born here just to live and die. No, there is more. The kingdom of God. The will of God. Hallelujah. But many times we forget those things about the kingdom because we are so bogged down with the cares of earning an income, supporting our family. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not? more value than they. Can you hear the birds chirping up there? It doesn't sound like they're depressed. Man. Worried. They're, they're happy. They're singing. Why? Because whenever they need food, the Heavenly Father provides. Jesus is saying every single bird, millions of birds on the planet today, maybe billions of birds on the planet today, none of them are going hungry because the moment they need food, the Father provides. Maybe the worm comes out at the right time. Hallelujah. And then Jesus is saying, you have more value to the Father than they. God loves you more than the billions of birds on the planet. Hallelujah. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? You cannot add even an inch to your height by worrying. In the NIV, it says, you cannot add even an hour to your life by worrying. Maybe you can delete some hours if you worry too much. 
but you cannot add by worrying. Hallelujah. And that's why you can have some people who are really fit, really fit, they look strong, but then they suddenly have a heart attack and die. So even though you may be very fit, you may be carrying a lot of worries in your heart. You see? Hallelujah. So why do you worry about clothing? Maybe this was especially for women, all right? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, God takes care to clothe the grass and tomorrow it is burnt up. And yet it takes care to grow next year that same grass. Hallelujah. Would he not much more clothe you or you of little faith? Therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now this is the clear important part. For your heavenly father, come and say, my heavenly father. Say, my heavenly father knows that I need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Worry is a sign of insecurity, anxiety. People worry about the future because of the uncertainties that is there in the future. We don't know. We start a new business. We don't know where the customers will come. We study for the exams. We don't know whether we will get through. We have a life full of hope, but then it gets crippled by sickness. People write exams and they don't get through. Hallelujah. Children don't fare well in exams in school. Your business plans don't go as expected. So we got insecure and we start thinking, how are we going to live? What shall we eat? When I was in Bible school, I was always so worried about my ministry. I do after these two years. When I was in Bible school, so worried all the time. What am I going to do? Where am I going to work? What ministry am I going to do? After I became a pastor, I worried more. Where will people come from? Will the church grow? Why are people persecuting us? Where will finances come from? How am I going to support my children? And I was continually plagued by those thoughts. But I didn't stop preaching. I kept on preaching. I kept on preaching the word. Because you see, we are all under construction. Just because you go through worry today doesn't mean that you are an inferior Christian. It's just something we battle with. We are climbing the mountain. So don't stop Believing, don't stop practicing your faith just because today you may be experiencing this. You will overcome. Hallelujah. See, worry is one of the most unproductive things that you can ever do. Unproductive. It has no value at all. And yet, that's one thing we master in our lives. Some of us have PhDs in worrying. We are so used to worrying that peace is a stranger to us at times. But it is absolutely unproductive. You cannot add an inch to your height or you cannot even add an hour to your life. And all it does, it, it makes you exhausted and frustrated. And because I was so worried, I felt I had to do more, preach more. Do more good works, fast more. I, I, I thought I had to prove to God by performing more and thinking this. If I do more, He will approve me by His love. Are you getting it? Because of my worry, I felt I had to preach more, have more events, fast more. Because if I do more, He will approve me. So I began to do more, but it was so exhausting. It was so tiresome. There was no rest inside. And even after doing all that, guess what happened? At the end of the day, I was still worried. Was that enough? I fasted for one day. Was it enough? Ah, no, 
I'll fast for two days. After fasting for two days, was that enough? I don't think so. I'll fast for three days. So I was driving myself to performance thinking God will approve me. Because I think if I do this, God will do this. So let me do this first and then God will do it. Not realizing that first He loved us. It is not that we love Him first. It is that He loves us first. Can you say hallelujah? He did it first. It was only when I began to believe these things. Number one. Write it down if you can. When I began to believe that number one, God is not a vindictive, judgmental God. That He has already forgiven me of all my sins in the sacrifice of His Son. And He's not condemning me in any way. He's not counting my sins against me. And He's not withholding favor and blessings from my life because of my past or my sins. He's not. And number two, I began to believe that He is a Heavenly Father. Loving Heavenly Father. Just Jesus was teaching His disciples. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says, We have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear. Fear is a bondage. Fear is like being chained up. But we have received the spirit of sonship, adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Daddy. I began to believe that He is my Daddy God. And I'm loved by Him. He's a good, good Father. Yes, you are. Yes, He is. And I'm loved by Him. I began to believe that. Hallelujah. Even before I go to church, even before I do good works, I'm loved. Thirdly, that He loves me unconditionally. He loves me wholeheartedly. Wholehearted means, oh, I love Jesus 100%, but Pastor Sean, I love you 70%. Is that how God is? No. If God loves Jesus 100%, He loves me and you 100%. The same. The same. Everyone say the same. The same. Because that's what he says in the word, and God cannot lie. And he loves me continually. Continually means every moment, every second, every day. When I mess up, he loves me. When I'm not doing anything religious, when I'm not praying, he still loves me. When I'm not in church, he still loves me. When I'm not fasting, he still loves me. Some Christians think that only when I go to prayer house, God loves me. The moment I leave, so they're living on borrowed time. After two weeks, I have to come back. Only when I'm praying, God loves me. So they never feel at peace unless they're doing something religious. So they keep on praying. Hey, God loves you even when you are playing football. God loves you when you're cooking. God loves you when you are shopping. So ladies, you are free. Husband and wives, God loves you when you are both fighting also. And if you will just remember the love of God at that moment, maybe the fighting will stop. Amen. God loves you when you lose your temper. God loves you when you're overeating also. When you gossip, when you're being con, God loves you when you're watching movies. But watch the right ones. Because it's not about God hating you when you watch the wrong ones. It's you destroying your own thoughts. And your own life. Hallelujah. See, there is nothing that you can do that will change God's love for you. Or make Him love you more or less. There is nothing you can do because God is love. His love for you is not dependent on you. It's dependent on His nature. God is love. He cannot stop loving you even if you don't love Him. There's nothing you can do to make Him stop loving you. His love is constant. But remember this. There are things you can do as a Christian that will make you stop loving Him. And that is important. That's a part of our faith. Not coming to church regularly will cause you to stop loving Him. 
That's why it's important to come to church. If you're watching online, I encourage you to start coming to church by next Sunday. Observe all the distancing that you feel that you need to, but come to church. There is a power and a grace that is available when you are here physically that you cannot get online. And there is a grace when the church comes together to pray. It is more than just the individual believer as the church. No, the references to the body of Christ is more with the local church coming together than the individual himself as a believer. So there's greater grace, greater blessing when we are together worshiping. There's greater power. So come to church from coming Sunday. Alright? Don't be afraid. God loves you. Hallelujah. We just have to learn to deal with the situation and go on. Don't allow fear to restrict you from coming to a place of worship and it begins to affect you spiritually. Come to church. That's a word from God for you guys. Hallelujah. Fourth, I began to believe this. Third John verse 2. If He is my loving Heavenly Father, then He wants to bless me. God wants to bless me. It's not only me asking for blessings because I want to be blessed. And when you pray for blessings, your friends come and tell you, hey, don't be a selfish Christian. Don't ask for blessings all the time. That's what we think. That's what we talk. But that's a religious spirit. Do you know that God wants to bless you? Third John verse 2, Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. When you believe God loves you, your soul prospers. Oh, peace comes. Fear lives. Oh, you get healed of rejection. You get healed of anxiety. And as your soul prospers, your life begins to prosper. You sleep better. You stop fighting. Hallelujah. I have two children. Adora, my eldest. Monshan, my second. And my wife and I had them by the blessing of God. And because they are our children, we are responsible for them. We are responsible to take care of them. And we don't take that responsibility as a duty. I don't want to do it, but I have to do it anyway. No. It's a pleasure. It's a joy to provide for our children. When we pay the school fees, I find joy in paying the school fees. When I'm buying the clothes, I find a, a joy. It's a joy to buy things and provide for your children. How much more shall your Heavenly Father not give you the things that you ask if He could give you His own Son? The things that you need, the things that are necessary for your life. Amen. How much more? Hallelujah. That's what Romans chapter 8 verse 32 says. If He could give up His own Son for us, how much more will He not freely give us all things? When I began to believe this daily, constantly, I began to be free from insecurity. And anxiety and have great expectation this is important I began to be free from anxiety and I began to expect when you believe somebody loves you you will begin to expect good things I began to expect good things in my life in my future I began to expect a great you know hope for my well-being my children my family I wasn't always expecting I yeah something bad will happen I Something bad. My, my children will do something to embarrass. Oh, you know, people, they're expecting that. The sky is falling on their heads. Hey, you can be in the darkest jungles of Africa and still be, God loves me. I expect good things. Glory to God. And who knows, a tiger may just put you right there. Hallelujah. Can you say Amen? See, as I began to speak daily, confess His love for me daily, meditate daily, and to expect, guess what happened? 
our lives began to prosper. It started from here. But it began to prosper. I was just praying for a girl the other day. And she was sharing with me her problems, physical and natural. But the moment you began to pray, I said, God wants to touch your heart first. And I began to prophesy over her. And she began to weep and cry. She was just weeping and crying over the phone. And I knew that God had done something in her heart. Because the moment He did something in her heart, things began to change in her body. Things began to change. The brother who came to my office many years back, he had terrible, terrible sickness on his face. But as I was looking to him, God said, his heart is empty. That's where I need to touch him first. So I began to speak to the heart and minister to the heart. He was weeping and weeping and crying. The prayer, after the prayer, there was no change in his condition. But he says, I'm at peace. My heart is healed. Immediately after that, his face began to improve dramatically. Hallelujah. As my soul began to prosper, my life began to prosper. Finances, health, our children's studies. The church began to prosper. Dramatically, I can tell you that moment when the church began to prosper as I began to believe that God loves me. During our building construction. How did I make it through those seven to eight years of building construction, building a huge building of this size and cost. I made it through by believing every day, God loves me, He will take care of it. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus is trying to tell His disciples. You have a heavenly Father. He's not just almighty God, powerful God, no. The God of the Old Testament, He's your Father. He's Abba. Abba. Your heavenly Abba. And all of them are listening and they're thinking, we have never heard that from any of the Pharisees and Sadducees in the synagogues. We have never heard it. And they're listening intently. And Jesus is saying, He's your heavenly Father. And He knows all the things you need. And then he says, and that's why you are more valuable to him than the birds and the flowers. And then he says, that is why. Do not worry. Seeing God as your father who loves you. And because he loves you, he sent his son to die for you. So that you're redeemed from the precious blood of Jesus gives you identity and value that will make you believe this my future is secure my well-being is secure he is responsible for me my job is to believe and obey when he speaks Trust in His Word. Believe and obey. Trust in His Word. Believe and obey. He is responsible. Hallelujah. I don't have time to go to the next one. We'll continue next Sunday. But believing that God loves you will give you the boldness to destroy the giants in your life. When you believe God loves you, you will be able to destroy every single giant in your life. You see, Christians can live fearless. I'm not saying you will never experience fear. But we can live a life where we don't fear. We don't give in to it. We don't allow it in our lives. Because perfect love casts out fear. Hallelujah. I want you to join with me in a time of prayer right now. Hallelujah. Pray up to me. Repeat after me, but pray from your heart. 
If you're watching online and you don't know God, you don't know His love, I want you to also pray after me, believing that He loves you and He is ready to give you forgiveness of sins, eternal life right now. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come in Jesus' name. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me on the cross. And you have demonstrated your love for me in the death of Jesus, in the resurrection of Jesus. And so today, I know that you love me. And I believe I'm valuable to you. Therefore, I accept your love for me. I receive your love for me. And I believe I am loved. Jesus, I accept your love for me. And I give my life to you. You are my Lord and my Savior. And today I declare that I'm growing in the perfect love of God. I have no fear of judgment. There is no condemnation. There is no judgment in my life. I am forgiven of all my sins. I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus, I believe. I am the disciple that Jesus loves. I believe I am the one that my Abba loves. God, you are my daddy and therefore I will not worry about my life. What I will eat, what I will drink. I will not worry about my future, children, career I will not worry about my life because you are responsible as my father I only commit to believe in you and follow you when you lead me hallelujah I want to thank you very much for listening to this message if you would like to get in touch with us with any prayer requests that we can pray for you, kindly email us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com or you can even visit our website faithharvest.in and message us and we will be privileged to get in touch with you. I would also encourage you to consider becoming a partner with us and help us in this vision to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and make it available to all the nations. All the details are available on our website and you can visit that. Thank you very much once again and God bless you.